the essence of the 10th and 11th step and the 12th step, the essence for me is about being on time. Where I work within three blocks is a place called Darios. It's a place that's designed to take care of people who have severe garlic deficiencies. It's a little Italian restaurant. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and we usually walk up there and have lunch because it, it's, oh, it's good. Mama still cooks. When she doesn't, she beats the cook till he gets it right. It's, it's a great place. <laughs> there are days when, because of the, the foot problem I've been left with, I don't walk too well. And I had one of the guys that was sponsoring come by, and we were going up to Dario's. And it's so good, there's never any place to park within three blocks. That's why we walk. But I really needed to drive that day. So we drove up. And as we pulled up to Dario's, the car right in front pulled out and left, and we had that spot. Now, I've come to expect that. He said, isn't that nice? God got us a parking spot. Bullshit. We were on time, that's all. Had we been 30 seconds earlier, that car wouldn't have come out yet, and we'd have missed it. If we'd have been 30 seconds later, the guy in front of me would have gotten it. We were simply on time. Tenth and eleventh step keep me on time. Yeah. There's only one time anything can ever happen. That's right now. If it has already happened, it isn't going to happen. It's the past. Yeah. If it's going to happen, it hadn't happened yet. It's the future. It can only happen now. The only time I can be conscious of the presence of God is now. That's it. It gets so bloody simple. And the continuing inventory and the checking of myself and the prayer and the meditation keep me fully aware that now is the time. Tricky stuff, but very, very simple. The only time I can help you is now. The only time you can help me is now. I, if I have already helped you, it can't happen. If I'm going to help you, it hasn't happened. The only time is now. The prayer doesn't say, God, I'm about to offer myself to thee to do with you. <laughs> okay. I am now ready. Now, now, now. Everything is now. Everything's immediate in the spiritual world. You want to tell somebody you love them? Do it. Get it done. You want to tell somebody you're pissed at them? Do it now. The things that block me are aspects of self. Self-pity, self-loathing, self-interest. As a result of some chronic health problems and chronic pain, I've learned some truly wonderful, wonderful things. There's pain and there's suffering. And I used to think they went together. 
because they did for me. If I'm in pain, I'm going to share it. We're all going to suffer. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, that has changed. There's pain and there's suffering, and they do not have to go together. Most suffering is caused by self-awareness. When I, when I got the hepatitis and they put me on the interferon, a strange thing happened. The interferon cut me off from my feelings, from my emotions. It deadened me. For about six months, couldn't feel anything. Things happened. The only sensation I had was pain, which was no big deal. I came off of the interferon, and all of a sudden, I felt everything all at once, all over again. And it was a baffling thing to me, because it all felt like the same thing. Terror. Then I began to sort out. <clears throat> what happens in the middle of pain is that I become aware of it. Pain causes pain. I become self-focused. And when I'm interested in self, I'm in pain. It's only when I'm interested in you that there's no pain. That's an experience that I've had. You're looking baffled. I understand. If a problem is very difficult, the book says, we throw ourselves harder into working with others because it takes us out of ourselves. This, this way of life says that when I'm in real trouble, I'm not to go somewhere and get help. I'm to go somewhere and give help. That's how I walk on this path. There are other paths. That ain't this one. The way I overcome my problem is to help you overcome your problem. That's the easiest and the best way. It gets me out of myself. Uh, I got it pretty good. I get feeling sorry for myself. The best thing in the world for me is to go find somebody that doesn't have it's pretty good and help them get it better. I'm to practice these principles in all of my affairs. Twelve Steps says I'm to carry the message. That's easy. Now I've got to practice the principles in all of my affairs. That means, first of all, I'm going to have some affairs. <laughs> I mean to be real careful not to have more affairs than I have principles. <laughs> I stole that because it sounds good. I like it. <laughs> now, what are some of the affairs that I have? I have a family. Children, a wife, grandchildren. At one point, a dog, but the dog and I had some difficulties, so I won. <laughs> I, when I went to North Carolina, I bought a little brown lab, male brown lab, because there is absolutely nothing more vicious looking than a big lab laying at the top of the stairs looking down at you. It's a man-eater. It wouldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> okay. I came home two years later, and this dog thought it was his house, and these were his women. Uh, we had some difficulties. I started to put him out one day, and he just wasn't going to go. 
And he nipped me. Didn't bite me. He nipped me. And uh, we found him another place to live. Uh, we didn't have time for him anyway. And that's the truth. Anyway, I have, a, I have affairs. I'm to practice these principles at home. If I can't treat my children the same way I treat the people I sponsor, I'm living a lie. If I'm not willing to listen to them with the same closeness and care for attention, I'm living a lie. If I'm not going to give them the same time that I give AA, I'm living a lie. And it isn't the quantity of time, it's the quality of the time. When I'm here with you, I am all the way here with you. And when I'm home, I am all the way home. That's the only way I know how to do it. I practice the principles. Immediacy. Where are you? Then do what you're going to do there. When I'm at work, I am all the way at work. And what I'm beginning to realize what that means, because I'm only working 20 hours a week now. I can do my whole job in 20 hours a week. Most people in 40 hours are only doing 20 hours of the work anyway. So I just soon get mine compressed and go home. <laughs> get it done. Everything's immediate. I've learned about crisis. It doesn't have to be mine just because it's crisis. And quite often, if it's a crisis today, it'll still be a crisis tomorrow. I don't have to do anything immediate about it. I'm to practice the principles. I'm to, if I'm agitated or doubtful, I'm to pause and wait for an answer. What is my contribution to be? Uh, sometimes it's to let, let the chaos go. I found out along the way that without chaos, I don't have any idea what needs to be put in order. <laughs> so I love chaos. I love to watch it. I don't like to stir it anymore. But out of the chaos, I can see what needs to be put in order. And I learn what's mine and what isn't mine. You know, most of the problems that I run into are none of my business. I learned that through the practice of the principles in all of my affairs. One of the affairs I have is how I relate to my neighbor. Very important affair. I live in a neighborhood with neighbors. Now, I like hedges. I, like, I have privet hedges around my house. I come from the old country. My grandpa taught me good fences make good neighbors. Okay. And there's nothing better for a hedge than a hedge to make a good fence. Nothing gets through except snakes. But I live in a neighborhood with civilized people. And it occurred to me one day, while I'm putting the hedge in on my side of the property, one whole side of that hedge is facing his side of the property. He'll look out his window and see my hedge. Maybe I ought to consult with him and ask him how high he would like it and how he'd like that trimmed. And in that talk, he says, oh, I think the hedge would be fine, just however you want to trim it. But leave a spot about this wide between the hedge and the edge of the house so there's a way between your house and mine. Because when you're gone, I watch your house. And when I'm gone, I'd like you to watch my house. And this gives us access. Hell, I'd never thought about that. That's one of my affairs. How do I communicate with my neighbor? You know, I don't have a lot of common interests, but we have one interest in real common. We like our neighborhood clean and clear and safe. 
his kid grew marijuana in my backyard one time. <laughs> I mean, the kid probably figured, I'm too old to know what that is. <laughs> I did not tell his dad. Why would I want to do that? I pulled it up because it was on my ground. <laughs> okay. And uh, he noticed it was gone. We had a black lab at the time. <laughs> he asked me, Mr. Pris, do you suppose if I jumped the fence that dog would hurt me? I said, no, he would eat you. <laughs> I just kind of let it go at that. <laughs> we had a meeting in my backyard one time. We do that once a year. If people come over, we had a big potluck and a big meeting. The next day he took me aside and he said, uh, you seem to know something about alcoholism. So me and my friend, some of us have a problem. You suppose we could talk to you? Uh, I don't put my trash on the street Monday because they don't pick it up till Tuesday. I take it down Tuesday morning. That's one of the affairs that happens in the neighborhood. I don't want my trash all over the street all night because there's cats running loose in the neighborhood. And the next thing I know, it's a mess. I learned from my neighbor one time, we have a funny phenomenon in Colorado in the winter or in the early spring. We'll get a, a heavy, wet snow. And then the sun comes out the next day and it starts to melt. And that night it freezes. And what you got is water that deep. It freezes into ice. And it makes dams of ice. And the gutters fill up. It's a mess. And uh, <clears throat> I was in the house getting ready to go to work grousing because the city hadn't come by to clean those gutters out yet. And I hear this noise out front. Chunk, chunk, chunk. And I looked out and there was my neighbor with a big ice thing chopping the ice out of the gutters. It's just a big flat. So I got my little shovel out, went out and joined him. Started cleaning the gutters, and we visited during the morning. Had a good time. I learned all kinds of things about him and his life. And he learned some about mine. And we got our gutters cleaned. It's not the city's job, it's mine. And my kids watch all this. I am so proud of my kids, particularly my two stepdaughters. My, they're really my daughters. They uh, watch how we live in our house. If I sponsor you, I expect you to come to my house early in the morning because I want you to see how a recovered alcoholic and his family live. That's part of my message. It's not all words. How do you carry this out when you've got two teenage kids getting ready for school, wife getting ready for work, and me getting ready for work? What's the house like? Kind of chaotic. So we sit in the living room, and you watch the show go on while we do our step work. And one day we got a great lesson. My daughter come down the stairs. She's about 13 at the time. She says, <clears throat> excuse me. This is my mouthy one. I, I, I raised an advocate. 
Excuse me, she says. <laughs> and it shocked me. You don't interrupt us when we're busy doing God's work. <laughs> what do you want? She says, I live here too, you know. And you've never introduced me to this person. Oh, oh she was right. So I introduced him and she well, nice to meet you. And she's gone. That's all she wanted. My daughter's real father is a Denver detective by squad. He's got some really interesting ideas and viewpoints on life. I sponsor a number of gay people because I sponsor alcoholics, and I don't care whether you're male, female, or mixed. I don't care. And one of my gay guys was there working with me, and that same daughter came down the stairs, and I knew she'd been with her dad for a weekend, and she's making really ugly noises about gay people. I can hear him. And uh, Sam's watching me to see what I'm going to do here. We're talking about living by principles and not fighting anyone or anything. And I said, Kelly, something you need to know. She says, what's that, Dan? I said, some of the people that you love the very most are gay. Because she really adores Sam. And uh, she said, oh, who, who? I said, I'm not going to tell you. You figure it out. And let it go. And within a week, she had come back to me, and she said, it's just not worth the effort. <laughs> just not worth the effort to figure out who. That's practicing the principles as I understand them. I'm not to try to warp her mind nor to protect Sam. But I'm going to certainly say, get this straight. She still doesn't know about Sam. She still loves him. Sam's done so much good for alcoholics, it's just amazing. Denver AA produces missionaries. I don't know if you knew that. You come to Denver, go through the steps, and the first thing you know, you're somewhere else starting your own little group in, a, in the midst of AA people who don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Old-fashioned 12-step work was fun and very dangerous. I had guns pulled on me. I made a mistake of going on a call one night by myself. Got to the door and he opened the door and he's got a gun in his hand. He's changed his mind. He doesn't want to quit. Okay. That's fine with me. I... Good night. <laughs> Three of us one time, my sponsor and another fellow and I, during our evangelistic period, we were at the state convention, and a call came in there. And we took the call. Guy in a motel. We went out. We're all in our suits, looking good. We gave him an hour and a half of the best 12-stepping you've ever heard. I'd have stayed sober on it. It was incredible. <laughs> and then he looked up at us and said, Man, it's clear to me you guys really have your shit together. But I need a drink. So out of four alcoholics on a 12-step call, three of the four stayed sober and went back to the convention. Because that's the way it works. Yeah. My job is just to carry the message. And in doing that, I get to stay sober. And if he does too, that's a bonus. If not, it doesn't really matter. we got a shot at him. Somewhere down the way, maybe somebody else will get a shot at him.
I really appreciate you allowing me to come out. This wears me out. I go through numerous kinds of internal hell with this because I know I'm doing the job and I'm doing it right. I also am concerned that I must bore you all to death after a while. I wouldn't sit and listen to me this long. <laughs> I, uh, but I appreciate you. I need desperately to tell people about what happened to me when God became fully alive in me and in my regular life, going to work, raising kids, getting nipped by the dog, cutting ice with the neighbor, getting to go to Russia and talk to them about AA, whatever that may be is all part of that same package. It's just God's here, let's go do it. You may be eating pancakes tomorrow and borscht the next day. It doesn't make any difference. I came here desperate because I needed to die and couldn't die. The state I'm in tonight because of you is that I'm truly willing to stick around for as long as need be. I have plans that I'd like to take carry out that are beyond my projected life. I'm not going to get done all the stuff I want to get done. And that's okay. I'm going to take a crack at it. You have enriched my life. See, I will go back home now and tell the folks about you. I really will. They'll know all about you. Your fam you those of you who've been to Fellowship of the Spirit know what I'm talking about. They're just waiting on you. Uh, and they'll know who you are because it's all a common deal we have going on. My wife will really appreciate you. Uh, when I do one of these spiritual weekends, I go home horny. She's really likes that. <laughs> We're done, and yet this thing is undone. It can never be done. We just need to keep getting together with each other, and that's what the fellowship is about. Just kind of getting together and learning how to visit. Uh, last time I was here, I got to stay with Alex. We had a great time. He taught me more than you can imagine about life. I just love him to pieces. Keep staying in touch with him. Uh, in fact, I get to come back out for their wedding. What a great deal that's going to be. That's if I'm approved. <laughs> so anyhow, it's time to go home. Uh, thank you very much for having me come out. I hope to see you over the road. Remember, Fellowship of the Spirit both in Colorado and up in Maine in March. Uh, it's, it's a little four-day deal. It starts on a Thursday. There's a speaker on Thursday. And there's a speaker... On Friday night, it'll be an Al-Anon. There's two speakers on Saturday, and there's one on Sunday, and there's ten big book workshops, and the rest of the time, it's just getting together. It's a family deal. Bring the kids. It's just basic old AA. And uh, they're setting it up so the folks on this coast can have what we've had for seven years in Colorado, just a weekend to gather together and have a lot of fun. Potluck on Friday. Everybody from different parts of the country bring whatever your favorite food is. Uh, it's a good time. You get flyers on it.
That's all I got. <laughs>